It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. Have we become more aggressive, more nasty, more antisocial, horrible? Have we just become, as a nation of people, less tolerant of each other, ruder. Like, if you're to look at some of the recent things we hear of, you'd have to agree that we have. Like, transport workers. Incredible level of antisocial and occasionally violent behaviour. There was a survey. I'm reading from a piece in The Independent written by David Quinn. I'll talk to David in just a moment. But there was a survey found that 80% of transport workers now suffer abuse at work. One in five say it happens every day. Shopkeepers. Uh, this came out at a meeting of the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Employment before Christmas. Shoplifting is commonplace and it's accompanied by threats, violence, obscenities, misogyny and often racist abuse at owners and staff. The INMO, the Nursing Union has reported almost 850 assaults on nurses and midwives. That was in the first quarter of 2023 alone. They're the only actual figures they have to hand just now. The New Scientist, um, David, you say you came across an article in the New Scientist magazine looking at a possible explanation for all of this. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. We're becoming a very nasty nation, I think. David? Well, some of us are anyway. I mean, what you read out there, um, these are the frontline workers who are dealing with the public every single day, whether they be nurses or shopkeepers or bus drivers and what have you. They're all reporting a rise in some really obnoxious antisocial behaviour that goes beyond ordinary rudeness. Um, and so you've got to listen to their voices because, uh, you know, they're the people dealing with the public all day long. And what they're saying is um, that it's got worse since the pandemic, which I found interesting. I mean, this is kind of a consistent testimony from them. Uh, and that kind of hooks into the uh, this fellow who wrote this article for The New Scientist. He kind of said our, our kind of inner antisocial goblins have been released. And he thinks but like what he's saying in the article is um, that we kind of take it for granted that people will become socialized um, as they go along through life. Uh, you know, meaning we just learn to navigate all kinds of social situations differently uh, and, and in the proper way. Uh, I mean, even when you're children growing up and you're playing with other children, you know, you learn what works and, and you learn what doesn't. Your parents tell you what to do. Your parents, you know, teach you to be polite, hopefully. Mm. All this sort of stuff. Uh, by going into school, by going into work. So the numerous social settings in which we kind of learn social skills. And he thinks that we're, that lockdown helped a lot of people too, if I can put it this way, socially de-skill. 
that they weren't having face-to-face contact. And this is particularly bad for young people because young people are very much on the kind of socialization learning curve. And if you're suddenly at home all day, maybe in a flat, you see those of us who live in nice houses, um, you know, uh, we had a certain lo- experience of lockdown, which is probably a lot better than people who are living in maybe a single-bedroom flat, um, uh, just having, you know, contact with very, very few people feeling extremely isolated, uh, not even going to school. Uh, schools were closed for a very long time. Some, by the way, and this is uh, you know, particularly in disadvantaged areas, some pupils never came back to school. So the opportunities for socialization just began to disappear. And uh, if you're not properly socialized, well, then you're not going to be able to handle anything like a stressful social situation. I mean, like at the kind of lesser level of this, I think it helps to explain why social anxiety levels have gone up. Uh, because obviously social anxiety is partly curbed by just getting used to dealing with different kinds of social situations. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know how that, you know, that used but, to be... But let's face it, okay, we're, we're, lockdown, let's, let's look at lockdown. Okay, yeah. it was tough. It was yes. tough, okay? Yeah. But you take particularly people who are a bit older now than 2021 or two. You can't blame lockdown for them turning nasty. Maybe teenagers were locked up for a couple of years Mm. and and felt angry at the world Mm. for that. And you you might understand a little bit of that. But people who are old enough to know better have turned very nasty to each other, David. Yeah, no, it's a weird thing, all right. Um, You see, I think like this, I mean, this didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, I think it had been building up, and I think that, you know, lockdown and so on appears to have made it worse, because, again, this is the consistent reports coming back from frontline workers that uh, it's got worse since lockdown. So so lockdown... Hold on a minute. Long before lockdown, I remember attending nurses' conferences, the INMO, Mm. and in Mm. every single conference... Every conference, mm. the aggression and nastiness towards people in emergency departments, around the, and I'm talking about now ten years before lockdown. I think part of it is um, modern living. There's a certain kind of inbuilt stress level to it. Like I lived in Australia for a number of years, but that was a good long time ago. Like I came back in 1993, and I remember seeing road rage in Australia. I'd never seen that in Ireland. Uh, so that's a long time ago, uh, and now it's you know obviously appearing on Irish roads, and it stands to reason I think that one of the things that's behind uh, the increase in traffic accidents isn't just increased drug use on roads. I think it's just this increase in stress levels. And, uh, and I think that's contributing to road rage. People shouting and roaring at you uh, because they're not getting their own way in the road. Uh, and this seems to be becoming increasingly common. Now, I personally, fortunately, haven't experienced it, but I know people who have experienced it. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I did experience the first half in Australia. And Australia was a place back then with a much faster pace of life than here. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, they, you know, like the more fast-paced and more demanding life gets, obviously the more stressful and stressed they're going to get as well. And then they start taking it out on people. And I also wonder if at a kind of another level, you see, it becomes a kind of a vicious circle. People start being nasty to you. I think a certain percentage start being nasty back, and then it becomes a kind of vicious circle in which everybody becomes nasty to everybody else. And you just have to wonder as well if... 
you know, like when your mother or your father was kind of teaching you to be polite, you know, they were doing a lot more than we even suspected at the time. Mm. Because you are teaching people, look, in a society, you're going to be running into people all day long. You want them to be polite to you, and you should be polite to them back. And actually, everybody wins then. Because as we all know, mm. you go into a shop, you're nice to the person helping you, and you're going to get better service. Are you it's suggesting, David, that service. modern parenting has lost the teaching of politeness? Um, well, I think that part of the thing is that um, everybody is so damn busy, all right? So uh, everybody's working very long hours. Well, it's a part of a one, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm being too kind, but I'm sure there's some parents who are not teaching kids those sort of basic manners anymore. But this, by the way, as you say, doesn't excuse the older people. Mm. So you, you make another point in your article that you wanted to come to, and it's this. Yeah. You say, the recent Dublin riot didn't mm. emerge from a vacuum. Mm. And I'm quoting you here now, I'm not even sure how much of it was really connected with the immigration issue. I think you say it was mainly an extreme symptom of the general rise of aggressive antisocial behaviour that's now regularly occurring in shops, hospitals, on public transport and on the streets. Explain yourself there, David, because you know what it followed. You know where, what happened before it. Well... And like what it reminded me of when that erupted was about 10 years ago um, in, the, in the London area of Tottenham, a big riot broke out and it got much, much, much worse than what happened in Dublin and it began to spread across other parts I of Britain remember. as well. Yeah, and it was happening, um, uh, you know, chiefly in disadvantaged areas and was being led mainly by young fellows. Um, and I remember one of the explanations given at the time and I kind of this kind of struck chord back in my mind when um, uh, the Dublin riot happened was no authority figure and he's no male authority figure in the lives of a lot of those boys no father around no male teachers around um, don't take part in the we are going down a dangerous road there now David uh, because there well, are many there are many single mothers that I know that raised fine solid young men and women uh, uh, that's 100% true, but I mean, nonetheless, I think, you know, having a good father around or a good male role model around is a good thing to have, because otherwise we're saying fathers and male role models add nothing to the lives of boys. And I remember community workers at the time of the Tottenham riots were very much stressing that what was happening instead with a lot of these boys, they were turning to extremely negative role models instead, like, you know, gang leaders and that kind of thing. Uh. If, they don't, um, if you don't have a good, you're saying if you don't have a good male role model, then you'll turn to a bad one. But like, there's the whole, you've heard, I'm sure, David, of the one good adult theory. That it only takes one good adult. Surely every young fella has access to one good adult. Uh... Well, I presume so, yes, but do they have access to one good male role model? And the answer is they might not, and what they might have access to instead is an incredibly uh, negative male role model. Um, I mean, again, just to go back to the Tottenham riots, they were speaking to community workers who had worked in those areas for decades, um, extremely experienced um, in those areas, and this was an observation they came up with again and again and again. Now, I mean, this is something I barely raised in the article at all, because I think there's all kinds of other things going on. But I do think a factor at work is um, if you don't have a 
positive male role model in your life. In a minority of cases, you're going to turn to sometimes very bad male role models, as in, you know, gang leaders and this sort of thing, um, and things are going to go wrong. And I think that's something we have to be willing to face up to as well okay. as part of the mix. So you, you, you finish by saying, and I finish with this, you say we're supposedly becoming more compassionate, but I'm not convinced. Well, I mean, if the you know rising antisocial behaviour, uh, which nobody doubts, is kind of an indication that well, uh, there's certainly a substantial minority of us are not becoming more compassionate because compassion means just treating each other well and treating each other respectfully, um, and that's not what frontline workers and I think a lot of us in our daily lives are seeing anymore. Uh, so uh, I think the rise of antisocial behaviour does challenge the narrative that we're also becoming a more compassionate society, maybe in some ways, but in other ways we're becoming, at least, uh, again, a certain minority of us are becoming more antisocial, and the antisocial behaviour is getting more aggressive. And uh, it's something that, you know, which we just need to look into a lot more and try to analyse it properly and find out what the causes are and see if anything can be done about it. Come back to your male role model point here. Someone mm. is just messaging here. Uh, my husband died young, mm. and I raised two boys and three girls myself. Mm. They all turned out fine. I don't agree with that man. And there would be many people like that, Dave. Yeah, but, but, but you see, I mean, to me, so, okay, so you have, I don't know how many boys who don't have a male role model in their lives. Most of those boys turn out fine, and usually because they have a very good mother or maybe other figures in their lives. But there's no question that there is a minority of boys who don't have a male role, a positive role model in their lives who turn to negative male role models. And as you know, there's been, the, there's been discussions about this guy, Andrew Tate. Yeah. Huge uh, big social, social influencer who is an extremely negative male role model for a lot of boys who are turning to him. And so there was all kinds of people raising rightly, um, you know, an alarm about the millions and millions and millions of young fellows who go looking at him who teaches misogyny. Now, if that's a bad thing, so, so that's kind of proof that there are guys looking for male role models and some of them look in the wrong directions. Uh, but they are looking for a male role model. Mm. So they have to look in the right direction. And I just think it's kind of naive to say that um, lacking a male role model, positive male role model, will never have ill effects. I just, because it's kind of an insult well, to Well, be careful, you know. see, you want, you're, you're treading a fine line, David. You're treading yeah. a fine oh, line I know that. there. And on one side of that line mm. is your anti-single mothers. No, do you see? That's the one side of the line now, David. <laughs> You have to be allowed, though, to say fathers can add something positive to the lives of There are of many boys. fine boys being raised by lesbian couples, for example. But do fathers, does a good father add something positive to the life of their children? That's my question. Mm hmm Well, I mean, so what's the answer? What's the answer? Does a good father add something positive and invaluable. Abs absolutely, but if one isn't lucky enough to have a good father, I may mean, yeah. have, you know, we've all got that friend whose dad died when they were three, and they turned out to be fine people. Uh, obviously, um, uh, in most cases... Some go and good mothers make wonderful, wonderful children. 100%. Nonetheless, I, I mean, it shouldn't be a controversial thing to say that it is a good thing 
to have a positive male role model in your life and it is a positive thing to have a good father in your life and that something is no, lost that's a wonderful thing I, 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 was, I was privileged to have a, I was privileged to have a most incredible father in my life for 53 years yeah, and I was lucky to have a good father as well. And you see, okay, so you're saying you were lucky to have a good father. I was lucky to have a good father. Some people are not lucky to have a good father. Some may have a bad father, or some may have no father around at all. This shouldn't be a controversial thing to say. It's just kind of funny that we got to a point that it's become controversial to say it is a good thing to have a good father in your life, and that some children are, 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 don't have a good father in their lives, or possibly no father at all in their lives. We should just be able to say as a society, it's a good thing to have a good mother, and it's a good thing to have a good father as well. That shouldn't be a controversial statement, but somehow it has become a controversial statement, but it ought not to be a controversial statement. All right, let, let, we let's throw it out there and see what people think. David Quinn, thank you very much. We started talking about journalist David Quinn. We started talking about the rise in antisocial behaviour. Uh, some of that is being attributed by researchers now to lockdown and its effect on us socially that's one thing but then David goes down that road of a lot of the and he would say that a lot of the young men in the Dublin riots back that we all watched with horror before Christmas he, he was questioning what positive male role models did they have in their lives and he goes further down that road and he says well what was the influence of their fathers did they have fathers now, I appreciate what he says, having had a wonderful father, uh, who I still think to myself every day, I wouldn't be a third the man I am without him. And, and if I amount to being a quarter of what he was, I'll have outdone myself. But not everybody's as lucky as that. And I have friends who lost their fathers very young. I have friends whose fathers were arseholes. Let's put it that way. They turned out all right. I'm just a bit concerned by where David is going with that. But he makes the point that it's it's he should be entitled to say it. That it's better for a child to be raised by a good mother and a good father. Well throw it. And he is putting it down. He's putting a he's putting some of the antisocial behaviour that's going on in our world down to that. The only pushback I'd have is the antisocial, nasty, horrible and aggressive behaviour we're seeing is also coming from people who are well old enough to know better. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Kaz, you were listening to David. Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you getting on? Good. He's got a lot to say. He's treading a fine line, though, I think, between making a solid point about a good male influence in a young boy's life and pushing back kicking out at single mothers. It's a fine line. It is, but you know what? I was listening to him and I didn't feel like it was an attack on single mums. Okay. I felt, I genuinely felt, I don't know the guy at all. So just listening to him, to me, it sounded like he was just saying, there's so many factors involved, one of which, and I didn't include it hugely in my article, which I also haven't read, um, but he said, I didn't include this massively in my article because there's so much more around it. But I do think having a positive male role model is a good thing. I don't think there's anything... I mean, I, I absolutely, you know me, I'm an LGBT ally, right? So I always stand up for whoever I feel needs to be stood up for. But I do think there is something positive about cis males having strong cis male role models and all of that. Like, I'm one of the people who lost their fathers when they were very young, but I turned out okay. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. So, like... Well, I'm married to an incredible man who's an incredible father. So, but I have daughters. But for me, I don't know where my girls are going to end up on that little rainbow of sexuality or whatever. But they have a good role model of this is what a functioning, healthy partnership looks like. Mm-hmm. No, so they happen to have two cis heterosexual parents. But what we're modelling is a healthy, stable, happy, loving, supportive relationship. So I think. You know, it all depends. I think once you have good people in your life, once you have good adults in your life as a kid, I think it's definitely a bonus. Well, that, well so that's the whole. That's that. That's a whole theory. Good ad, the one good adult yeah. theory that every one child has the right to have yeah. one, and that can be a complete stranger, or it can be a yeah. relative, or a teacher, or it could be a friend's yeah. parent, or it could be once you have one adult who genuinely thinks the sun shines out of your, you know what? I think that gives you. A huge, a huge boost, and I think we need to raise our kids with a lot of confidence and a lot of self-esteem. Mm. And I don't think we're doing that mm. as as much as we need to. You know, I well, think we come from a culture of, you know, respect your elders, do this, do that. And I do, I absolutely, you know, my kids know I want them to be respectful people. But if you need to prioritize your safety over being respectful then you get to be as rude as you want and I will have your back for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll, I'll give you an example. When we were, um, you know, I'm in Cove, right? And we were in the Titanic bar years ago. Now my eldest is 12. She would have been about five at the time. And I was in there with my mum and um, we were leaving and there was a man sitting down, an older guy, I'd say in his 70s, 
clearly uh, had a couple of pints, whatever, just put his hand out to shake my little one's hand. And she didn't put out her hand to shake his hand. And my mum said, oh, shake his hand, don't be rude. And I said, it's okay, you don't have to shake his hand if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. But what she did then, because her granny had said shake his hand, she put out her hand to shake his hand. And he took her by the hand and grabbed her, pulled her in, sat her up on, her, on, her, on his lap and gave her little kisses on the cheek. Very now, inappropriate. He, completely inappropriate. She was absolutely terrified. I felt by looking at this man that he genuinely meant her no harm, right? I really don't believe there was anything no. um, dodgy going on. We'd I have think to, we'd have to accept that, but it still was inappropriate. Yeah. It was totally inappropriate. So I said, take your hands off my child. You have no right to pick her up. You have no right to hug her and kiss her. I said, she didn't give you consent, right? Which sounds mad when you're talking about a five-year-old, but I said it because I needed her to hear me say it. Mm. You know, and he let her go immediately. He was all apologies. I said, thank you. I picked her up and we went out and uh, we went out to the car and he followed us out to the car and she was really scared. And I said, get into the car, love, you're fine. I'll talk to him. And he came out and he said, I'm so, so sorry. And he pulled a picture out from inside his coat and he said, look, she looks really like my granddaughter and I'm missing her because they're after moving to the UK, whatever. So he was completely harmless. There was no Mm -hmm. malice in Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But his behaviour was inappropriate. But I didn't feel I needed to kick off and start screaming and shouting. I yeah. needed to model for her that I can handle this situation in a respectful manner while still maintaining balance. You handled it brilliantly. But there are people, no. Kaz, who would have drawn town around them yeah, and, and made a total show of the poor man. I know, I know. But look, I, I kind of go through life believing that people have good intentions until they show me otherwise. You know, and I was saying um, in my text there when I texted through... All behaviour is communication, right? This is one of the most fundamental things about parenting, right? If your toddler is kicking and screaming and acting out, they're not doing it as a toddler to piss you off. Sorry, to annoy you, right? Sorry, you <laughs> Speak plain English, you know I mean? if you will. <laughs> it's, yeah, but, it is, but it's behaviour. So when they're that young, they don't have the language to say, hey, I'm feeling really frustrated by this situation. I'm very warm in this room and I'm really bored by the conversation you're having with all the other grown-ups and I want to go play. Do you know what I mean? So if you look at people like Dan Siegel, Gabor Maté, Gordon Neufeld, they will all kind of explain even how adults, when they're acting out and having adult tantrums and acting like a Karen or whatever, an awful lot of that is communication. They're feeling inadequate, they're feeling insecure, they're feeling whatever. Now, there is a certain level of entitlement, right? There's an now, awful lot of Some people, Kaz, let's face it, sometimes an arse is just an arse. Yeah, absolutely. They're out there. A hundred percent. No, there are, but there are also people who grow up in Ireland with massive mental health issues or who develop mental health issues, um, and we don't have the services mm. to support them. Do you know? So, like, you have kids now. So, I'm, I'm still at primary school level. We're moving to secondary school level next year. But I know an awful lot of kids who are waiting on assessments for different things. There could be neurodiversity. There could be mental health. There could be behavioural disorders. But they could be on a waiting list for three or four years. And we have, like, amazing support in our school. Our principal is, I will go to my grave saying, is the best principal in Ireland. Um, We have incredibly uh, supportive staff. We have an amazing support structure in the school. But there's only so much that they can do. There's only so much, you know, uninformed. Because you don't know this. You don't get a handbook when you have your child saying, in the case of neurodiversity, do this. In the case of mental no, health issues, no, do no this. Do you know what I mean? So we're all learning on the fly and we are going to make mistakes. And I think we just need to give each other a bit of grace. But I do think we need an awful lot more investment in mental health in Ireland. 
And I do think that a lot of behaviour can be, you know, linked back to, and it doesn't have to be like a huge mental health issue, but if you're feeling stressed or if you're feeling rushed and you come home, you know, you might be that little bit touchier than you would be mm. with your significant other or whatever. And so you just kind of give each other space, kind of, oh, recognise, okay, that person's had a bad day. I'm just going to let them have a couple of minutes themselves, let them chill out. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to yeah. do this. You know, you just, I think we just need to give each other a bit of grace. We need to be a bit more compassionate with each other and we need to consider behaviour. Like, what is this behaviour telling me as opposed to just instantly pushing back and fighting back and raising yeah. the aggression level? My, my wife often quotes a psychologist she used to work with long ago <laughs> who wore a, t- a T-shirt which on the front of it was WTF. And of course, everyone <laughs> thought everyone thought that was what the, you know? No, when you sat down with her, she said, what's the function? And as a psychologist, she said, every behavior has a function. And figuring yeah. figuring it out is part of her job. Kaz, great call. Thank you, as always. 02, 0818, uh, 96, 96, 96. So, Anna, to the road rage thing, because you experienced this recently, there seems to be a, 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 big, a big increase in, in road rage. Morning. Morning, how are you? Um, yeah, like I suppose what Anna was just saying there, or what um, Kaz was just saying there, sorry, um, about like having compassion for each other and things like that. Um, Friday morning, just gone, I nearly, I swear, I felt I was taking my life into my hands with um, some of the people I encountered on the same one journey. Um, so in my estate, uh, just outside my estate, when you're coming out, there is a yellow box for you to go right. Yeah. It's a very busy road outside our estate. And this guy was parked with, like, let's say he had his two front wheels kind of in the yellow box. But there was space for me to go in there, and there was no one coming from the other way. So I looked at him. He looked at me, rolled his eyes, and kind of was gesturing me like, oh, come on, so come in, you know? So I drove into the yellow box. We proceeded down the road, and there was um, traffic lights. So I, the car in front of me kind of sped off as the light just changed amber. So obviously it just got to red when I got to the line. The guy behind me starts effing and blinding inside in the car. Beep. And I mean now he put his hand on the horn at full speed, like, um, and it was absolutely raging that I basically didn't go through an amber light and break a potential red light because it was a big enough junction. Mm. And in my head, I was going, what is this man's issue? So anyway, we carried on off on our journeys. He went left, I went straight on. That was fine. About three minutes later, I was coming on, um, do you know the slip road off the Ballancolic bypass I when do. you join the link? I so do. you have to speed up there because it's, it's, it's 120 along there. Like, yeah. So I start speeding up and there's a man directly in the lane next to the slip. I could not go anywhere. But he didn't speed up and he didn't slow down to let me merge in. He drove alongside me and left me driving in the hard shoulder up as far as where there is a Garda point for, you know, the speed checks or whichever. There's like a little, you know, the little turn off to just say Garda point only or whatever, no parking. Mm. Up to that point. And eventually I sped up a little bit and I cut in in front of him. And when I looked, he was doing a hand gesture that would be of a sexual nature towards me. And then all kinds of fingers being thrown up in the air and absolutely raging he was inside in the car. Was and it I the same nothing. fella who'd beeped at you? No. no. Completely different man. Two different men in the one morning within five minutes of each other. Yeah, yeah I saw it. Thank you, Anna. I saw something actually the other day and I thought, this was two lads involved in this one. 
So I was coming into town by the link road there. So I was coming from, shall we say, from the Magic Roundabout into town on the link. And it was a busy old day, so there was a bit of traffic. And I was stopped at the lights there. You know the lights there by by the park and ride and by the dump as it was coming in. And I was stopped. And there was a fella got out of a van. And another fella got out of a truck. And the two of them were standing on the road, roaring at one another like two prize bulls in the middle of the street, in the middle of the day. I have no idea what it was about, but they were making a show of themselves. One was standing at the door of the truck, and the other fella came over to the truck. Sorry, he was in the truck, and the other fella comes over, and he goes banging on the door of the truck. Your man came down out of the truck and the two of them stood there roaring at one another. Now, before I had a chance to find out what they were roaring about, the light went green, which kind of... (laughs) I'd prefer to have stayed for it, but you know yourself. D, listening to David. Morning. Good morning, TJ. Your thoughts on David? My thoughts on David. If I had him, I'd strangle him. (laughs) How dare he? I brought my son up on my own and he turned out out to be a very good young man. He bent over backwards to help people. He's never been in trouble. How dare he? And to be fair to him, he did say, well, there are many women like you. Yeah, there are more of us than there are couples. I live near a school, and I swear to God, I've never met such a bunch of rude children when they're coming out. They bash into you, they bang. I go out on the road when the school is coming out, because I don't want to get... They have no manners whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, no, but you can have two parents and still turn out bad. Yeah. You can yeah. have two parents. What, su- what I think you're suggesting to me is that some of the kids coming out of the school, you know they have two parents. Yeah. And they, they're not told off. Yeah. The thing, but the parents are standing there yapping away and, and they kind of look and go, hmm, yeah, and then turn away again. Mm. It's terrible, right? No. They're never pulled up on what S- they've done wrong. Psychology does tell us, and I've read research on this because I would have disagreed with it, but I went to read it when I was asked to read it. (laughs) The greatest influence on a child's life is the parent of the same sex. Really? Yeah, that's what psychology tells us. And that if... I don't believe psychology. But but that's what psychology tells us. Um, (laughs) You would do the job of two people, fair play to you. Yeah. But they say that the greatest influence in in a... in a child's life, is the influence of the same-sex parent. Oh, well, what's that say? You know, but... Yeah, well, I suppose it means if if, if Dad is a gobshite, then there's if a... If I had chance. stayed with his father, God only knows where he'd be now. That's the truth. Yeah. But yeah. his father was an alcoholic, it turned out. Yeah, I know. I moved, I moved over to Scotland to be with him, and I wasn't long moving back. <laughs> I think you told me that before. I, I tried. Before. I tried. I know. D, no, and, and you did a super job. What age is he now? 36? 36. And he's a fine job. He's in his own house. And he's doing very, very well. Good for him. And good for, and, and good for you. And well done. And there are, like you said, there and you're th- there are thousands like you. Thousands like you. Come here, stay with Road Rage for, for a second. Anna's called there. Two incidents of Road Rage within the space of 15 minutes. Men men, one fella beeping the life at her on a yellow box junction and the other, and it sounded to me like the other guy was trying to hem her in 
and stop her going onto the slip or going off the slip road onto the link or onto the motorway. And when she got her opportunity to cut him off, as she was entitled to, he made a very rude gesture and you could see he was screaming at her. Is it men involved in road rage or have you come across angry females on the road? Do women handle road stress differently? 083-396-9696. Personally, I rarely... I rarely get stressed on the road myself because I love driving. Um, but if I see someone acting the aegis, I kind of try and draw a breath and kind of stay away from it. Um, your thoughts are welcome. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Is it men? Is it always men who have the road rage? Or have you come across women who tear you a new one? For no reason. Courts 96 FM.